Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Have you noticed my treasure chest? Yeah. <laughs> it goes way back to the time of David. It's a recent archaeological find. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. So how are you all doing today? And it's good to, good to see you here. Uh, isn't it good just to be before the Lord and worshiping together? And it's just it's so good to be here. Hey, uh, I want to welcome you. My name's Mike, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church at Rocky Peak. And so if this is your very first time, I want to welcome you. Uh, we're glad you're here. Inside of your, your program is a, a white message note sheet that we use every week for our time of teaching. So I encourage you to take that out, and uh, we're going we're gonna to jump in. I, uh, this week, I, I was gone for three, three days. I was... Uh, uh, we had about a, a group of about 60 people from Rocky Peak that were up camping in Lake Tahoe. And so they invited me, why don't you come up and, and ride your motorcycle up and, and visit us for a couple days. And so, you know, free food, I thought it sounded like a good deal. And so uh, Buddy and I, we, we rode up there and uh, had a great time. And, and so um, the only reason I mentioned that is I came back with this really funny tan. Uh, I don't know if you can see my arm. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was 100 degrees on the way home. And, and so the glove went to here, and my T-shirt went to here. And, and so last night, the next step dessert, one guy thought it was a skin graft. And, uh, and so it's funny, my assistant was saying, you know, she's kind of a new assistant. She said, you know, it used to be funny because whenever you go on a motorcycle ride, I'd always know it because on the screen, you have this weird tan, you know, line. So I, I thought I'd mention it at the start of this service so you wouldn't be distracted. Because I know how this is. Every time, like, I wear a shirt that has writing on it, you know, you're like, what's that say? You're not, you're not listening to me. You're trying to find my shirt, and now you're looking at my wrist. Like, what happened to his wrist? That's just so weird. And so I just want to remove that from the table right away. We all know what happened now with my wrist, so we can move on to the study of God's Word. All right? <laughs> so uh, we're ready to jump in. Y'all ready to go? Okay, let's pray. God, we're just thankful for what you're doing here in the life of our church, the way you are waking us up, calling us on, and teaching us what does it mean to be a church of passionate Christ followers? What does it mean to, be, to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers? And so, so we're excited. God, we know today's the next step in that journey, and we're excited to celebrate what you're doing, what you have done, and we pray you'd be with us every step of the way. And give us ears to hear what you want to say to us today, and, and just be with me as I speak, that I have great freedom. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, our story starts today, it's about, it's about a thousand years before the time of Jesus. And, and, and it's really, if you have eyes to see it, it's kind of a Cinderella story. Um, the, the story starts, he's out in a field like he often is, watching his sheep. And, and all of a sudden, in the distance, he sees someone coming, and, and the closer he gets, he figures out it's, it's one of his brothers. And he's the He's the youngest son of his family. There's, there's eight boys in his family. And so he's kind of the runt of the litter. Uh, he's, he's voted least likely to succeed in his family. His, his brothers look down on him like, like older brothers often do. And so he can't figure out why his brother is coming to visit him. It's something that never happens. But when the brother gets to this story, it gets even more strange because it, it turns out there's this big-time prophet who's come to their kind of uh, small little town uh, that, that no one ever visits, 
And, uh, and he's heard this, the, the stories about this prophet are, are legendary. I mean, he's the one who anointed the first king of his nation. And, and this is not a day of CNN. This is not a day of YouTube. I mean, you, you can't go on and just check out the guy. All you've heard is his stories about this amazing prophet. And, and what gets really weird is the brother's now telling you that the prophet wants to meet you. And, and so, so the, the two brothers, they, they walk into town, and, and when they get there, there is this uh, uh, kind of a big family gathering. The, the elders of the town are there. Everyone's there. And, and he walks up and he, he meets this famous prophet. And now the story gets really crazy because the prophet reaches into his cloak and he pulls out this, this, this vase, this kind of golden vial, and, and it has oil in it. And there in front of his brothers and his father, whose eyes are this big at this point, he anoints him with oil and he prophesies over him that he will be the next king of Israel. And it's like, this is impossible. He's like, he's like the least likely to succeed in his family. And, and so now he's going to be the next king. And so I'm sure that night he didn't sleep well. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, uh, you know, he's just kind of visions of the future. And so what happens is, is God's spirit comes on him that night in, in a powerful way. And, and from that point on, God is with him, and he's through the ups and the downs. And sure enough, when he's 30 years old, he becomes the, the second king of Israel. And so, and so once he becomes king, he establishes the nation. He, he unites the nation. He moves the capital to a, a new location. He, he kind of defeats the, the traditional enemies of their country. He leads the nation into a time of peace. It's the golden era of their nation. He, his nation becomes a superpower in the area, and he becomes the greatest king in their history. And yet, and now he's getting older, and God has been with him every step of the way and blessed him so much, and yet there's still one thing left on his bucket list. There's like, like there's one thing left that, that he just has a passion to do. There's one thing left that has been the dream of his heart for, for years. Well, today we're continuing this series. And it's, uh, this series is called the, the Journey of Generosity. And for those of you who are brand new, I just want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. Um, I want to take just a couple minutes, if you're brand new, just kind of bring you up to speed. We've been in this series for about the last month. About a month ago, we were suddenly facing a major crisis as a church, as a financial crisis, something we just had not seen coming at all. I don't know why you could have seen it coming. And, uh, and, and so as a result, this last uh, uh, few weeks, we've been in this series. And one of the things that we sensed from the very beginning is that God is in this, that, that, that God had allowed us to go into this wilderness, but he was going to meet us, he was going to change us, that, that he was going to call us to a whole new level of relationship as a church. He, he was going to call us to a whole new level of, of sacrifice to who he is in our life, and that as a result, we were going to grow to a whole new level of relationship. His spirit was going to be released in our church and through our church in a new way, and he was going to be preparing us for our future and our future for, for us. And so the last four weeks, we've been in this series. And, and then last weekend, if you were here last weekend, you know, we had a, it was, it was kind of a major defining moment for our church as after being in this series for four weeks and studying what God's word ta- says about this whole topic of generosity and what does it mean to be like Jesus in this area of generosity. He's the ultimate model, right? The apostle Paul said that he who is rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty be- might become rich. So he's the ultimate model of financial generosity. So we've been studying that. And then last week, we, we came and we gave ourselves to the Lord, all that we are, all that we have. We gave ourselves to him. And, and then we brought our gifts as we felt God was leading us 
to give, right? And so that's where we are. Now, at the end of this service today, I will be sharing what God has done to those gifts. I'm not going to share it now because I want you to stay for the whole service. But, uh, but uh, I'll be sharing that. But, but before we do that, um, I, I want to talk, like, what does it look like to be a church? Like, how do we celebrate when, when God moves in a church, when God moves on a nation, when God moves on a people and he changes their heart and he creates a heart of generosity and they respond and they give generously, how, how do you respond at a moment? Like, how do you celebrate? See, later in this service, we will be celebrating what God has done. And so I want to prepare us for that moment. I'm going to prepare our hearts for that moment. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back to a, an event that happened in Israel's history. The passage we're going to be looking at is First Chronicles 29. But before we, we go there, I want to give you a little bit of backstory on this passage. And there in your note sheet, there's a section called The Dream, David's Backstory. Some of you probably recognize this. The story we started the day with was the story of King David. Now, if you've been a Christ follower for a long time, you, you may have recognized the story. If, if you're brand new at this, you may not. I almost envy you because, because I think one of the downsides of being a follower of Jesus for a long time is sometimes we get so familiar with the stories that, that we miss them, you know? But the story of David is truly a Cinderella story. I mean, it, it, it's a story of this, this younger brother kind of looked down on by his older brothers. He's got seven older brothers. He lives in a small backward town. You know, what, what is it? Uh, I don't know. What would be like a really small backward town in this area? And don't say Simi Valley. Don't, <laughs> like, those of you who live in the valley, oh, Simi Valley. You know, it's like where the Rednecks NASCAR is. Um, no, that is not true. That is no longer true. Uh, God has come to Simi Valley. Anyway, uh, anyway, so, so think of some small podunk town, you know, like Early Mart. You know, you're going up 99 freeway, Early Mart. I came there through Lake, Lake Tahoe. Anyway, uh, and, and so he, he lives in like Nowheresville. He's got eight older, seven older brothers. He's the youngest. He's watching the sheep, which is the lowest job on the social totem pole in his culture, right? So, so things are not going well for him. It, his, his future is like least likely to succeed. And into this life marches this prophet who, who says, you're the guy, that God has chosen you to be the next king of Israel. I'm sure his brother's eyes are like super wide. Their jaws are dropping. It's like, David? You know, like the runt? Are you serious? And, and so, and yet sure enough, it's, it, it comes true. And when he's 30 years old, he becomes the king. And, and he unifies the nation and he moves the, the capital to the city of Jerusalem. And he, he kind of uh, subdues their traditional enemies. He leads the nation into this golden age. It's, they become a power in the Middle East. He becomes the greatest king of their history. And, and yet towards the end of his life, there's one thing that he's always wanted to do. He's had this passion to do one last thing. And what it is, is he wants to build a temple to worship God. Now, that may seem like no big deal to you, but, but up to this time in their history, 400 years of history, Israel had never had a temple. They'd already always worshiped God, this very special tent called the tabernacle. And David has a dream. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if, if we had just a, a magnificent place to meet with God where, where God could meet with us and we could meet with him and be a place where heaven touches earth and we could encounter God and we could worship him and wouldn't that be awesome? And, and so he goes to the prophet, a guy by the name of Nathan, and he says, Nathan, I've got this dream and he shares the dream. And Nathan is just so excited. He says, man, God's all over that. 
I mean, you're the, you're the man. God has been with you every step of the way. This has got to be from God. Go for it. But that night, in the middle of the night, God wakes up Nathan and says, uh, time out, didn't check with me. Uh, that's actually not my plan for David's life. Uh, have you ever had that happen in your life? Like, you have a vision for your life. Turns out that God has a different vision for your life. And, and so he says, that's not it. Uh, David's not going to build a house for me. I'm actually going to build a house for David. It's not, it's not a literal house. It's a, it's a spiritual house. I'm going to establish his line as a dynasty in Israel. He will always have a king on the throne. And the ultimate king one day will come will be the Messiah. And one of the things that God tells David, either at that time or later, is that one of the reasons why he doesn't want David to, to build the temple is that David was a man of war. He had to subdue all the nations around him. His hands were bloody. And he said, I want your son who's going to be a man of peace because he's established. I want his, your son named Solomon. I want him to build the temple. But he says, I love your heart. And so here's what I want you to do. I, I, want, it, I want you, David, to be the chief designer, the kind of the chief architect of this temple. And what we're told is that God supernaturally downloaded the plans, the architectural plans for the temple to David. And, and that David not only got to design the temple, but, but he also got to design kind of how the, the Levites and the priests and how it all operate, how, how that, they would kind of organize them and so on. And, and so, so he's, now he's got the vision, now he's got the plan, he starts gathering the supplies, but there's one thing he needs to do still. And that needs, he needs to raise the funds to build this thing. And, and so there's this incredible scene. I always picture this like a scene of kind of uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, where, where you've got like, like a, a courtroom scene with all the leaders of the nation there in, in the plaza. Or maybe like in Chronicles of Narnia at the end, you know, where they're kind of all the, the leaders are there. And so we're told that, that David had the leaders of the 12 tribes. They, they all come into town for this. Uh, he has the, all the military leaders, the leaders of a 1,000 and the leaders of 100. They're all there. Uh, the, all the royal cabinet officials and officials, they, they are there. Uh, David's top warriors, top bodyguards, his top mighty men are there. It's this huge gathering. And then beyond that are the, is the nation. And, and so he shares this vision with them. And he, and he shares what God's put in his heart to do. And, and then he basically says, uh, who's with me in this? Uh, uh, are you with me? Uh, who will, he, he asks this great question, who will consecrate themselves to the Lord? It's basically the same question that we've been asking all month. Will we as a church give ourselves to God for this project? Will, will we give ourselves all we are, all we have, and then give as he leads us, right? And so David throws it out there. And so David says, be, be, before he asks them to give, he says, let me tell you what, what I've given, all right? And so there in your note sheet, you have a verse, and this is from the New Living Translation, and it, just to make it more up to speed and modern, in terms of the, the amount of gold he gave. He says, um, I, I'm giving uh, all my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. Uh, this is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for the Holy Temple. And he says, so I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir. I guess that was the hot place to get gold. And uh, 262 tons of refined silver, all right? And so, so now I'm trying to do the math on my motorcycle up to Lake Tahoe, you know. It took me about three days to do the math. But, but uh, and someone afterwards told me I got this wrong. So, so I'm going to tell you what, what I thought it was, and then you can figure it out during one of the boring moments of the message. Uh, 
but you, okay, so, so gold is now selling at $1,200 an ounce, all right? There's 16 ounces, uh, 16 ounces in a pound, 2,000 pounds in a ton. David gave 112 tons. Now, according to my calculation, that's $4.3 trillion. Now, someone came up afterwards and said, no, it's billion. And I said, I'm not sure I trust you. So um, <laughs> I did it twice, so, so, uh, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But anyway, it's a lot of money. You get, you get the idea? Billion, trillion, whatever. Our country doesn't care. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. What's another trillion, right? Just kind of add it on, national debt, whatever. Um, back to the message. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so anyway, he gives us all this, and so then he challenges the people. He goes, this is what God's putting in my heart to give. Are you with me? A- and so what happens is God moves in the heart of the leaders. And, and, and they just like generously give. Just they just pour it wholeheartedly. They give. And, and guess what? The vision comes true. The temple comes about, and the people are there, and they're watching their leaders give, and they're just, they're just moved, and it leads to this time of incredible worship, you see? And, and that's what we're going to, later on in the service, we're going to go into a time of worship. And so I want you to see what happens in this time of worship, okay? So that's the backstory. So First Chronicles 29. Let's, let's open it up, see what happens. The uh, Chronicles is right after, First Chronicles is right after Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. <laughs> if you're, uh, just keep moving one more book, and then you go, it goes Chronicles of Narnia, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. Um, so in verse 9, uh, so it says, the people rejoiced. So, so what's happened is that David has just said, here's my gift, and the leaders have just said, here's our gift. They've given generously. Now the people of the land, the nation, they're rejoicing at the willing response of their leaders. They're just excited about the generosity for they've given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. I mean, they, they did exactly what we've talked about in this series. You give yourself completely to God. You say, then, God, what do you want me to give? You give as he leads you. You give wholeheartedly. You give with joy. God loves a hilarious giver, right? That's what we learned. And so they are giving, they're hilarious givers. And, and they're just giving with joy. And the people are just watching this. And they're just like, that is the coolest thing, to watch God touch the heart of his, his people. And so then David, he just goes into worship. And so David, verse 10, he praises the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. And he says, praise to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel. Remember, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name later changed to Israel. Israel have the 12 tribes. So that's why we call them tribes of Israel because it's really tribes of Jacob, the 12 sons. Okay? So pray, praise, to, praise to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, like forever we're going to praise you. And then and David just starts to go off. He, he's just, I mean, David is just so moved. You've got a picture of this. You've got, you got the king, you've, you've got his, his mighty men. You've got the, the military officers. You've got the royal cabinet. You've got the leaders of the tribes. And out you've got the nation of Israel. And, and there, he says, who's with me? And we're with you. And they make these commitments. And David is just like, this is amazing as he sees the vision come true. And so he's, he's just going off. And he realizes that really God's behind this. That God is the one who's touching the hearts of his people. That it's God who's blessed the nation so they can give generously. And so David, now he's just going off uh, on praise. I mean, have you ever been there in the midst of worship 
or you just, you just realize what God has done in your life or what God's done in your church or what God's done, and, and all of a sudden God just touches you, you just kind of go off, and you just kind of run out of words, you know, you just kind of run out of words to say, God, you're the coolest. You know, you just, like, how, how many ways can we say that? And so here's David, and he's just kind of running out of words. And he says, uh, verse 11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. And then he makes this very strong statement. He says, for everything in heaven and earth is what? Yours. Okay? Can we say it together? Let's say it together. Everything in heaven and earth is yours, okay? Now, this becomes the key message of this whole passage, and we've talked about this in a series. In the second week of the series, we talked about this is not how we naturally, as human beings, see life. Like, the way we're naturally wired is, hey, our bank account is our bank account. My, my checkbook, such as it is, is mine, right? Uh, my you know, retirement, okay, that's mine. My, my uh, uh, motorcycle, my Harley, that's, that's definitely mine. Uh, the, and, and by the way, I still have it. Praise the Lord. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, car, mine. Uh, uh, you know, he's like, this is how we look at stuff, right? And, and so then, then God comes along and says, uh, time out, that's actually not the right way to look at things. If you stop and think about it, I created everything. And, and so really, it all belongs to me. And so so when I give you things, I'm kind of trusting you to manage them for me. You're sort of the, you're sort of the resource manager. But, but everything in heaven and earth belongs to me. And you remember Jesus taught us this, the second week of the series. In Luke chapter 16, remember what he said? He said, the way we handle our finances is a spiritual test. He said, he who is faithful in little, and in context, remember it was, it was about finances, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And so, so what Jesus says is God watches our life and he watches how we handle the resources he's given, the finances. And then, and then if we handle those well, he says, okay, then great, I can trust you with the really important things in life, like, like spiritual life and spiritual impact and spiritual power and, and for this life and the next life. And so Jesus says, uh, if, you can, if I can trust you with little, I can trust you with much. And then he goes on to say, he, he says that, uh, he says, and if, he says if, if God can trust you with someone else's property, remember that? When he's talking about our stuff, he says, if God can trust you with someone else's property, like our finances, he says, then, then you'll receive your own property one day. And then he ends up, no one can serve God and, and money. And so we talked about this. So, so this is the truth that drives this whole passage today that everything in heaven and earth belongs to God. And so what David recognizes as he looks at his people, this amazing thing that's happening as they're pouring out their gifts to God, he, he's realizing that what's really going on is that God has blessed them as a nation, and that's why they have all this wealth, and everything they have belongs to God. And so when they're giving back, they're giving back to God what he's already given to them, and so the whole thing leads to worship, you see? And so he, he goes on in verse uh, 11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, its power, it's the glory, the majesty, and splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from whom? You, you okay? So David recognizes all the wealth that he has, as people have, the, 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 the success of their nation comes from God. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be awesome if in our country that is one of the wealthiest countries in the history of the world. 
wouldn't it be awesome if we realized as a nation that it's not because of American ingenuity that, that we've been blessed by God? And, and not that we haven't worked, uh, but, but in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God said to Israel, when you go in the promised land and I bless you and prosper you financially, he says, never forget that I'm the one who gives you the ability to make wealth. You see? So, you see the opportunities, the blessing? And so David recognizes that, that his nation's been blessed. And so he says in verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Skip to verse 13. Now our God, we give you thanks and praise for your glorious name. Verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? See, he realizes that God's just blessed him. He says, everything comes from you. There it is again. And, and, we, and, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So these offerings we've made, they've just come from you. We are aliens and strangers in your sight. In other words, we're just passing through this life. Verse 16. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from what? Your hand. And all of it, what? Belongs to you. You see how it just keeps driving this truth. And this is what drives his praise and his worship. He recognizes that everything we have comes from God. And so it just leads him to, to worship. And so in verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and you are pleased with integrity. In other words, when it comes to us giving to God, motives matter. And that when we give to God, he wants to know why we're giving. Are we giving out of fear? Are we giving out of, of manipulation? Are we giving to impress others? You see? And David wants to say, hey, what these gifts have been given with integrity. We're just giving because we love you. We want to honor you. We want to advance your kingdom. And so he says, all these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. Talking about his own gifts. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given. So their motives are right too. Verse 18, O Lord our God, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And so he, just, he begins to pray now. He says, God, this is an amazing thing what's happening on this day. These people, they love you. These people believe in you. These people want to be a part of what you're a part of. They want to advance your kingdom. This is an incredible day, God. Now my prayer is that you'd keep us there always. Would you keep us clear on this the rest of our lives, that everything we are and everything we have belongs to you? Would you help us remember that? Would you always put it in our heart that to give generously to what you're about? Would, would you always keep us in a place where we're passionate about who you are and what you're doing? And then in verse 20, he says, so David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So David's been worshiping. Now he calls upon them to worship. And so they all praise the Lord, the God of their fathers, and they bowed low, I love this, and they fell prostrate before the Lord and the king. And so, and so they just go into full-blown worship. And you often see this in the Bible, that, that worship in the Bible is often an aerobic experience, right? That it's, 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 hey, we're raising our hands, we're, we're kneeling before God, we're, here, here they're just full-out spread eagle before the Lord. I mean, God is, God is on the move, and, and they're so excited and, and everything they are and everything they have, they want to give to him. They just want to express that physically in their worship. It's just a beautiful moment of worship. And so, and so what we see here is just a model for us of, of how do you respond 
when God moves in a church with the grace of giving? How do you respond when God moves a people, when he changes our heart, when he creates a passion for him, when he creates a heart of generosity? When God, how do we respond? Do we respond by saying, wow, aren't we amazing? You know, is that what you're responding? No, we, don't. we respond with worship. Because we realize that it's God who's created this heart. It's God who's given us everything. Everything we have comes from him. And we're just so excited to be a part of what he's a part of. And so we, we respond back with, with worship. Now, there in your note sheet, on the back of your, your note sheet, there's a section called Generosity, the Rocky Peak Story. And so uh, in this series, we, we've studied several people's stories. We've studied the story of the Macedonian Christians who gave uh, to as much as they were able and even more, and God just blessed them, right? In 2 Corinthians 8, we study the story of the, the Corinthians who are so excited to give, and yet they begin to welch on their commitments. And, and Paul has to come back and say, no, you need to follow through on, on what God is doing. We studied their story. We studied the story today of Israel and their, their, their heart to give to build the temple, okay? So, but the question is, what is our story? What, what's the story being written about our church in this defining moment in our season. And so I, I wanna share the story of what, what God's done. And, and what I wanna do is, is I, I wanna share some stories of, of, of people in our church. Uh, I, I told you as we went in this series, this was gonna be a defining month for us. I, I told you that, that, that I believe God was calling us into this place of crisis and that they was calling us as a church to give ourselves to God completely. And, and then that we would, we would give back to him as he leads us. And I, I told you that if we would do that, three things would happen. Number one, as we each listened and we surrendered, our relationship with God would go to a whole new level because we replaced the idol of money with the, with the God of Jesus, right? We fought with Jesus. Um, I, I said the second thing that would happen is if as a church we would embrace the teaching on generosity, we'd surrender ourselves to Jesus, we'd give him ourselves that he would raise this church to a whole new level and he would empower us to, to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. We have to be passionate Christ followers before we can unleash a movement. The third thing I told you is that if we would each listen and give, God would provide everything we need to accomplish the assignments that he's gonna give us, Okay. And so you've listened as a church, and the stories have been phenomenal. And I've, I've told you this all along. I've said it's not the amount of the gift. It's the level of obedience, right? And some of us have a lot of resources, and we'll be able to give a lot. And in this campaign, some of you gave a lot of money. There was gifts of $50,000 and gifts of $25,000 and gifts of $20,000 and 15s and the 10s. And a lot of you gave a lot of money. But, but remember, we learned it's not about the amount. It's about the obedience. And that God measures our giving not by how much we give, but by how much it costs us to give. And so you have been faithful to that. And the stories have been phenomenal. And I wish we could just stay for uh, a long time, longer than we are. And, and that we could, I just tell story after story of people. God, I mean, after the service, last, so I, I talked to a man who said he'd made his freedom gift, but, but God had just touched him. It's a man who's recently gone through bankruptcy and he's recovering from chemotherapy, but God has touched his heart and he said, I, I just feel like he's calling me to increase my regular giving by 50% of what, of what I've been doing. I mean, the stories of a guy, the, the, the story of the couple whose air conditioning broke 
and, and they just felt like God was calling them not to repair that right now, to, to wait later, but to be able to give generously. When you live in Simi Valley, that is a big sacrifice, right? Uh, you know, the, the stories of couples who went before God separately and said, what is the number? And they came back together. Story after story of, of coming back, I heard the same number. Uh, the stories of, of life groups who, who held special yard sales, uh, a singles ministry, a special yard sale to, to raise money. And, and the stories just go on and on and on. But, but out of those stories, I want to share three stories that particularly touched my heart just in the last week or two um, before I kind of share what, what God has done. So, so story number one. Story number one is that she's a single mom. Uh, she's got a teenage son. And, um, and so she came up to me after the encounter. Remember the encounter service right before last week's giving uh, service. And, and so she came up after encounter. And, and she, sh- she just shared, she has joy on her face. She said, Mike, I've just got to tell you what God's done in my life through this series. He's just touched me through these messages in a powerful way. And he's called me to begin tithing. And I'm just so excited about that. And so she shared her story. And so she said, but you know what? I've been praying about uh, during Encounter, about I, I want to give this weekend to the Freedom Gift. I don't have anything. I've only got $30 in my wallet to last me the rest of my week. And so I've been praying, God, do you want my $30? And she said, as, as I was praying, it's, I felt like God spoke to me just so clearly. Just that the thoughts came rushing in my mind, and they, like, well, they weren't my thoughts. And, and the thoughts were, you don't have much money, but you have things you could sell. And she said, all of a sudden, these images of things in my house began to come to me, a DVD player, a different, some electronic equipment. And she said, I know what God's calling me to do, and I'm so excited. I'm going to go home. I'm going to take pictures, of digital pictures, and then I'm going to put them on my apartment complex, and then whatever money comes in, I'm going to give it to the Freedom Gift. And so I saw her on, on Sunday, and she said, hey, you know, after I talked to you, I had another idea. And so I, I, I prayed, and I said, Lord, if there's any, any money that comes in between now and this weekend, that's unexpected money, uh, I'll keep 10%, and I'll give you 90%. And uh, so sure enough, she had two unexpected checks come in from relatives just out of the blue. And, and so she was so excited because she said, I was able to make my freedom gift today. It was $186, you know? Isn't that awesome? And just, you see what I'm saying? It's the heart. It, it's the heart that God wants, you know? It, it's not about the huge amount it's about the heart. Um, second story on the other end of the spectrum in terms of giving. This couple, I talked to them two weeks ago after the service. They weren't going to be able to be here last week when we made our, our gifts and commitments. And so they came up and said, we're not, willing, we're not going to be able, we want, we want to make it early. And so they came up and they just had joy on their face. And they said, Mike, we can't tell you. We, we started coming to Rocky Peak five years ago. And we can't even tell you what, what God has done in our life. It's just our lives have been transformed. Uh, and they said, you know, that, we, we come from a Catholic background, but when we came here, like God just met us, and he has changed us from the inside out. And, and we, you know, they almost had tears in their eyes. We cannot tell you how much God has met us. And he said, over the years, God has changed us from the inside out in so many areas. But, but early on, he began to talk to us about giving and generosity. And he said, we, you know, we came from a Catholic background, so we were Catholic givers. You know, $5 in the plate, we're done. And, and so God began to speak to us about that. And so, so, we began to give, and as we followed him, he led us, and he asked us to give more, and so over the years, we've increased and increased, and it's not always been easy. We've got two kids in college, but, but God's always provided. It's always worked out, and we've just grown in that. And then a couple months ago, we found out that we're coming into some large money, 
And, and uh, we were totally unexpected. Of course, we didn't know the crisis of the church was, was coming. But we're just so excited that God's provided something for us to give. And, and so we're just so excited. So they gave me a check. It was for $15,000. And they're just so excited about what God was doing in their life. And that, that he was allowing them and giving them something to give. So this week I emailed them and said, hey, I'd like to share your story possibly. Would that be okay? And, and they, they answered back. Here, here was the email. She, this is from the wife. She said, dear Mike, I know you're thanking us for the monetary gift, but I have to tell you, I almost feel like we should be the one thanking you because the day we handed over the money was one of the most joyous days of our life. Both, both my husband and I left the church that day with an overwhelming feeling of happiness and provision from the Lord. It was his gift to us that we were even able to offer that gift to the church. You hear, you hear the words of David in that? We wanted, to give, we wanted to thank you for really teaching us the joy you can have when you truly understand what it is to give, in all caps. If you'd like to share our story anonymously, please feel free to do so. And then there's, there's one last story, story of a single mom, three kids. Oldest daughter is uh, kind of about adolescence. Oldest daughter has some severe disabilities. When, when the daughter was six, uh, the, the, the father passed away. And so since that time, the, the mother and the daughter uh, have received survivor benefits from the Social Security. And of course, they depend on these to, to live on. She also works, and, but she doesn't make a lot of money, so they depend on this. And so a couple weeks ago, uh, this church crisis was going on, and God had touched this woman's heart. She really wanted to give. But that very day, she got a letter from the Social Security and they said, according to our records, you made too much money this year. Now, I saw the amount. It wasn't that much money. But you made too much money this year, so you're going to have to give back some of your Social Security. You owe us $13,000. Then her heart just breaks. Like, like, this is a single mom, three kids, stretching to get by. Where do you come up with $13,000? And in the midst of that, she wants to give. And now she doesn't know how she's going you know, to feed her family. And so she sets an appointment up for the Social Security office. She goes to the Social Security office. They assign her to a woman who specializes in overpayments. She goes in. She meets with the lady. She shares her story. The lady looks across the desk at her, and she says, you know what? I have the authority to either enforce that decision or to waive that decision. And I don't think it's right that a mother raising a disabled child should have money taken away from her. And right then and there, she pulled up on her computer a letter, an official uh, letterhead. She printed it out that that debt is forgiven. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And so now this mom is sitting there looking across the desk, tears coming down her eyes. She, she doesn't really know this woman, but she says, you know, I just have to tell you that I've been praying that God would show me how to take care of my family. And the woman looked across the desk and winked at her. And she said, I wasn't supposed to work today. And I don't normally work this floor. But I don't think it's right. You see? And so attached to this letter, she gave me a six-page letter explaining her story, the official Social Security uh, initial letter and the, and the ending forgiveness letter. And then she attached a check 
for $1,300 because she wanted to tithe off of what God had given back to her. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and so God has moved, and there's so many stories even after service, last service, somebody can say, oh, what's your email address? I want to tell you my story, you know? <laughs> and that's awesome. Bring it on. Bring it on. Because God is moving, and you've been faithful, and you've listened, and, and God is going to meet us, and he's going to bless us, and it's going to be a defining moment for our church. So I want to share with you the story of what God's done, what, what the totals came in. And, uh, and so I, I want to do this in a visual way. So I brought my treasure chest it's, uh, this was uh, archaeological find from the time of King Solomon, and uh, inside are gold bricks, and uh, these gold bricks, each brick represents $100,000, and so I'm not going to tell you how many bricks are in here. I'm going to draw this out, uh, and, and so, so we're going to open it up, and so, so here's what God's done. You know the the first thing that happened when this crisis hit, I met with the elders. I said, guys, we're going to have to lead the way in this. That we're going to need to go before the church. We're going to need to be very honest about this crisis. We're going to tell them what it is. We're going we're to do some teaching on generosity. We're going to send them before the Lord. We're going to ask them to go before God and to give as he leads. And, and we're going we're to do our part and give them what they need to know to make that decision. And then we're going to ask them to go before God and for him to do his part and, and to give. And I said, but it's got to start with us. It's like leaders have to lead, you know? And in a time of crisis, leaders got to step it up. So I said, guys, it starts with us. I want you to go home. I want you to spend a couple of weeks. I want you to pray, talk with your wife. I, I want you to, to ask God for the number. And we're going to come back. And we're gonna, before we go to anyone else, we're going we're gonna to start. Senior pastors and elders will start with us. And so a lot of you know that story that the guys came back. And the number came out of $100,000. And so we had our first brick. Well, about a week or two later, actually it was just, uh, I guess, that that very same night after they made the, we, we kind of got the tally about a week later after asking for it. We, we had a, a meeting with some of the leaders in our church and a lot of you were there. It was some life group leaders, CR leaders, uh, children's ministry leaders, just key leaders, some of our uh, larger donors. And we just wanted to explain the situation, make sure it was clear, get the questions answered. We knew leaders would have to lead the way. And, and just like David went to his leaders, that we felt like we needed to go to our leaders. And so, so that night we didn't ask them to give. We just said, you know, in a couple weeks, we're going to the whole congregation. You'll be there. We're going to ask you to give at that time. We want to give you a heads up. We want you to be praying about that as leaders. You would lead. Can I tell you that some of those leaders, God was already moving in their hearts so powerfully that that very night, they began to give. One man came up and gave us a check for $20,000 that, that night. And by the end of that week, those leaders, even though we told them, we don't, we don't need your commitments yet, by the end of that night, by the end of that week, that another $100,000 had been had been given. And so we had now $200,000. And so we were still a week before our, our big ask, you know, last week it. And so, but, but some of these leaders, they just felt compelled to give. They, they knew it was in time, they felt. And so, so by the end of the third week, and this was like by last Saturday night when we went into the service, before we even went into the service, that, that another $100,000 had been committed. Now to set this in context, remember that the start of this whole crisis, we said that that the amount that we would have projected to draw down this credit line of $500,000, that, that the amount that we would project is we would need to draw down over the fall between three hundred and three hundred fifty thousand. dollars That was our minimum. And so as we went into this, this last weekend, we knew that the minimum had been committed. But of course, we've been praying that God would, 
would give us $500,000 to, re- to replace this credit line to give us some, some leeway and that we could kind of be our own savings account from now on. And so the Saturday night service came last week and, and they made their commitments. And their commitment was $171,000. And so by the end of Saturday night, we had a commitment of $471,000. And so, what do we got here? We got, I'm just going to go four, just so I don't get ahead of myself. Okay. And, uh, and so then we came to the 9 o'clock service last week, and the 9 o'clock made their commitments, and their commitment was almost $200,000. Isn't that awesome? And so I'm going to rearrange these bricks here because there's not enough room for them. So we've, now we've got, so, so at the end of that service, we had $650,000. Right? And so then it came to the 11 o'clock service, and you guys rocked the house. <laughs> $300,000 came in. <laughs> and so by the end of the service, we had $950,000 in commitments. But of course, some people were on vacation. And so all week long, the gifts began continue to trickle in. As of the service last night, 5.30 service, at the start of the service, we had 900 and $99,477. And I'm wondering, who is it that's not listening to God? <laughs> There's someone out there who's holding out. And we went into our time of worship, and three people came up to me during the worship with checks. We've been out of town. Here's a check. We went over a million dollars. <laughs> and uh, as, the, uh, as of the end of the 9 o'clock service, our current tally is $1,013,000. Uh, and that money is continuing, commitments are continuing to come in from those who've been out of town. And now, uh, uh, also, one of the things we asked you to do was to pray about your regular systematic normal giving. You know, that that this is an important part of being a follower of Jesus, what we call percentage giving. And we ask you to go before the Lord and to ask, uh, is that something God would ask you to increase? Maybe yes, maybe no. And many of you felt like God was calling you to increase. And so the increased commitment on an annual basis, we won't all see that this year because only five months left, but on an annual basis is over $360,000 a year, increased giving. So, so God, is, God is blessed. So let me tell you where, we, where we're at right now. Where we're at so far is that so far we've received in cash already over 600,000 of the million dollars. And so what that means is we have about 400,000 to go. So here's what I want to challenge you. Uh, I know there's going to be some of you that are saying like, well, crisis is over. Uh, uh, that's not how it works. Uh, remember what we taught is that God, when, when God gives you a number, that number's for a reason. And that when, when God, if we would all be faithful just to listen to what God asks us to do and do that, we will have all the money we need to do what he's assigned us to do. And so, obviously, he's got plans for us, right? 
And, and so here's a challenge I put out. What Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, you, you are quick to make your commitments. He said, now be, now be sure you follow through on your commitments. And so that would be my challenge. As a church, we would not only make those commitments, the next four months we would continue those commitments that increase giving. And if we do that, I really believe that God is laying a foundation for our future, both spiritually and, and financially, to unleash the movement that he's calling us uh, to, to lead. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you, we're, we're, right now we're going to spend some time and we want to go into worship together. And we want to thank God for how he's blessed us how all things are from him, how he's led us, how he's spoken to us. And one of the things I told you in this month is I believe that, that God was gonna use this, that God was in this. So this was gonna be a defining moment for our church. And that as we listened, as we responded, we were gonna be changed. We were gonna become more passionate as a Christ follower and that God was gonna use us to unleash this movement. Can I tell you something? I believe this is only the beginning. I believe our best years are, are, are ahead. Uh, Years ago, uh, a couple years into our time here at Rocky Peak, when Lynn and I came, they, they were not always easy times. Some of you remember those years. They were times that came, I was different, uh, very different. Uh, I didn't have wear shoes. Uh, there, there was, uh, you know, there was stylistic changes. There was music changes. There were just changes. And, and for some, they felt like this was no longer the church for them. And so they were hard years as many people left. And of course, God was bringing many new people who were so excited about what was happening. But, but they were years of transition. They were often hard years uh, for me. And, and during that time, one of the times when and I were praying um, and saying, God, what are you, what are you doing? And, and are you in this? And we, we believe you're in this and we believe you follow the leading, but, but are you in this? So one of the things that God spoke to us very clearly was that I'm laying a foundation, not for a good church, but for a great church. And then I believe that God is calling us into a new chapter. These first five years have been a time where he's been getting to gather a group of people that want to know God and pursue God and please God and be passionate Christ followers. You cannot come to this church and not hear that message. You cannot come here and not be challenged. We're not, we're not playing church here. We're not, we're not getting our cards punched, Right? that we're coming to pursue Jesus. And, and I believe that he has a calling on this church, and that calling is to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. And, and I believe in the coming years, it's gonna become increasingly less about us. It's gonna become more about him, his name, and his fame, and it's gonna become increasingly about the world outside these doors as he calls us to touch a world that's hurting and dying. Amen? Amen. And so today we come to celebrate what God has done as he takes us to the next level to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. Would you stand with me? We are going to go into a time of worship. The band is going to play. It's going to lead us in three songs. I want to begin this time by reading what the prayer of David that we read today, the praise of David. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're going to do three songs. I'll come back up. And we'll begin to wrap up our service. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, and yours is the power, and the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. And wealth and honor come from you, 
And you are the ruler of all things. And in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. And now our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come now to praise your glorious name. One month ago, we were looking down the barrel of a gun. One month ago, God, we wondered how we're gonna pay the bills. And from the very beginning, you spoke and said, I am your refuge and do not fear. And God, you have shaped us and you've called us and you molded us and you've brought us to a new place of surrender and you've brought us to a new place of relationship and a new place of connection with you and you've begun to unleash in our hearts a new level of generosity and you've begun to call us to be like your son who though he was rich became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. And you're increasing our heart for the world. And so, God, we, we come and we pray that you pour out your spirit as we worship you. And that we be a church that exists for your name and for your fame. And we, we pray, God, that you would release this heart of generosity in us for the world. And we pray that you'd use us. And we, we've come today to worship you as the source of all good things. And acknowledge that these gifts that we've given, they come from you and they are for you. And we pray that you'd receive our praise now in the name of the one who gave everything for us. Amen. And God, that's our prayer, that we would be the difference. We'd be difference makers for your name, your fame, for your kingdom, for these communities we serve, for around the world where you're sending us now and where you will send us in the future. God, we want to live for your difference. We want to make a difference, lives that make a difference. And so, God, we pray today as we celebrate what you've done, as we celebrate what you've done in our hearts this month. God, we pray that you would continue this movement in our hearts, that we would be difference makers. We pray this for your, the sake of your name and your glory. Amen. Amen. Hey, as we, I want to give you a heads up on what's going to be happening in the, in the next few weeks. Um, next week, we're having a very special message. We're going to get one week off from our, our regular series. And we have a special message on what does it look like to live for God's glory? What does it look like to live for his name? What does it look like to live for his fame? And what we're going to find is that when we live for his name, it becomes our deepest joy in life. And it's going to be a very important message for the future for our church. And so I encourage you to be here. If you can't be here out of town, uh, be sure to podcast it. Um, and then after that, we're going to be continuing this series on generosity. Now, if you're surprised by that, um, let me tell you that I am too. Um, you know, kind of have this mapped out. We're going to spend five weeks, you know, three weeks of teaching, week of commitment, week of celebration. Felt really good about that. Then we're going to go back to Galatians, right? That's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Two weeks ago, I was at Starbucks. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, it happened again. Um, I just began, I, I sensed God begins to download. There was something new. And, and so in this series so far, we've talked about what does it look to, to grow in generosity in terms of percentage giving. We've talked about what does it learn to grow in, in, in uh, generosity in terms of project giving, like this project we just had. The one area we didn't focus a lot of time on was giving to the poor. We talked about that third, third strand, but we didn't talk a lot about it because that wasn't the focus at this point. But as I was sitting there that day, just suddenly it was just like I knew it was a time, that this was a time. And I can't, I can't tell you how excited I am about this. This is something I prayed for for, for years and years, that, that God would, at the right time, teach us about this more as a church. What does it look like to be a passionate Christ follower in terms of our love for the poor? 
inside the church, outside the church, in, in the world. And, and so as I sat there that day, I got to tell you, I was almost giddy. Because it was like, are you kidding? I mean, I've been praying about this for probably seven years, before I came here. And, 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 and so it's like, are you serious, Jesus? We finally get to talk about this. I am so pumped up. I said I could hardly stand it. And so what we're going ha- to do is we're going to spend three weeks on this. We're going to talk about what we're going to see God's love for the poor in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel. We're going to spend a week on talking about God's love for the poor through the eyes of Jesus, his life and teaching and ministry. We're going to spend a week on uh, God's love for the poor through the, the life of the early church and the New Testament. And, and what's going to be fun is that um, I, I don't really think this is a time, I'm not sensing it all, it's a time we take some big offering or something like that. We've already just done that. But, but I've really felt like God's put on my heart that we need to take some baby steps. We can't just study this. We need to like actually step out. Like if you're going to run a marathon, you, you wouldn't like, you know, try to go out and run 26 miles the first day. You just kind of start slowly. And that we need to take some small steps. And so in each of the weeks of the, this message, I'm going to have a small challenge for you. You'll be able to decide whether you want to do it or not. But a small challenge for you just to increase our heart and awareness for the poor. And, and I'm really excited about that. And so um, that's what's coming up. And then once we get into September, um, Lord willing, uh, we will go back to Galatians. Right? And, and we'll finish it up. And I'm, just, I'm super fired about that. We're going to be talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and, and the rest of Galatians and as we go to the second half of that study, okay? So that's where we're going. Now we've got a barbecue. Just want to mention, uh, there's a, a small donation uh, requested. Just want to be really clear. If you're going through hard times financially, just, you know, this one's definitely on us in Israel. When they celebrate, uh, they have a feast. Everyone participates. So don't let anything stop you from being part of that fun, okay? And so God, may the Lord bless you this week. And may he continue to create the heart of, a, a, of generosity in your heart that you become a passionate Christ follower in this area, that you would be one of those people that are willing to become poor so that others would become richer as Jesus modeled for us, that we would give our life for others, that they would come to know him and their lives would be changed. God bless you, and I'll see you out there. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.